All right, we're back with another episode of Swag Tier. I'm Steven. And I'm Megan. Trying to think what I've been up to this last week. Mostly just playing. Not working. <laughs> yeah, not working, obviously. It's a, and... it's a wonderful life. Oh my god, you! it's so nice. I want to not work forever. I mean, not really, but I, I think I would get bored eventually. Uh, but I mean, like most gamers, I have such a huge backlog of games that I want to play that are like, well, maybe just me still in their shrink wrap, uh, but are essentially untouched. And, uh, you know, I would love to have more time to play. Yeah, you definitely find things to do and find things to fill your time with yeah like everybody was like oh you're gonna be so bored uh you're gonna like want to go back to work and like part of me wants to go back to work and obviously i'm going back to work in a couple weeks um but i i guess that's the difference between like being totally like unemployed and like having a job lined up right right this is the feeling of being on winter break yes and knowing that you've only got this amount of time left before you go back to school. So you're treasuring that time. Yes. You know there's an end to it. Exactly. <laughs> there's definitely a large part of me that enjoys not working. There's, there is a part of me that kind of craves some of the stuff I was doing. And I found that it kind of comes out in surprising ways. Well, I would say, to the disappointment of my parents, it's not coming out in an increased passion for job searching, <laughs> <laughs> which would be the ideal way this gets expressed. <laughs> but instead, um, when I was volunteering at MAGFest, the gaming convention back in January, uh, I was... Uh, about half of my time was spent just kind of behind a desk. I was essentially the staff help desk reception, and I would redirect questions uh, to the appropriate people, you know, escalating or them. the not appropriate people like us. <laughs> yeah. Or I would try to find out answers uh, in a very helpful way. And when I found that there were a lot of common questions that weren't apparent but were getting asked again and again i felt like my project manager instincts kick in and i wrote an faq with these questions and the answers and the appropriate escalation paths to leave for the next people who would take my shift and that's not something that is obvious to do like i could have just answered these questions and then gone back to playing on my phone right right like i feel like probably most volunteers do <laughs> but but there was there was that lingering part of me that had been lying dormant ever since uh, i quit my last job that reawakened at this opportunity it was something i liked to do and i felt fulfilling in some way yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I feel like if you're doing this every day at work mm -hmm. and like you're tired of doing it every day at work, then you might be less inclined to do it in your free time or, you know, what is supposed to be your free time, your leisure right. time. And in this case, you know, you weren't burnt out from doing it at work. So you were able to 
apply, you know, that feeling of this is kind of okay. Like, I don't mind doing this to, because I, I can't imagine you being like a crazy, like, I must be doing this all the time. I love this. This is <laughs> my lifeblood. <laughs> no, I wasn't uh, abandoning the rest of my MAGFest hours to uh, continue refining the staff help desk operational procedures. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but then I wanted to get back to playing games. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's what I meant, you know, because you mm -hmm. weren't totally burned out. It was easier to kind of get into that groove and be like, hey, I can totally do something, you know, that will make a big difference here. Definitely. Yeah, and I've, you know, that was kind of one weekend's worth, but I've seen this come up again um, over the past month, actually. Um, because my group of Overwatch friends, most of which uh, I know in real life as well, uh, has been taking the game, I would say, more seriously. Um, instead of just playing casually and letting anyone play whoever they want, and, you know, if we lose, that's okay, we'll just, like, fire up the next game. Uh, there's been... Uh, a growing interest in taking the game a little more seriously. You know, not all the time. We still have fun nights where we can play whatever, but we're a little more invested in winning. Like, we definitely feel like we can win these games, or we can win more games, and we should be improving ourselves. To capitalize on that. Exactly. And that's kind of resulted in uh, like an initiative I started up, uh, which I've been calling Improvement Nights. Hmm. Essentially, uh, they're scrims, scrimmages, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, for our listeners that are not tuned into esports, um, that would be like a dedicated match where we go in with goals. Uh, we go in with something we're looking to focus on and improve, and then we debrief afterward to talk about whether we hit those goals, how did the game go, what went right, and what went wrong. It's kind of a big departure from just playing, and if you fail, well, whatever, we'll get into the next game. That's pretty much my life. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's like the normal way to play. Like, you play to have fun. You don't play to spend like an equal amount of time dissecting the game <laughs> right. and reviewing uh, your gameplay video. Yeah, that's, to some people, that's work. <laughs> yeah, I'm. well, I mean, it's worked at all people, but I mean, mm -hmm. think it's like more not fun work to most people, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, but, you know, this isn't new for you. I feel like you've always kind of, uh, been an analytical gamer, if you will, you know, because you used to record our league games and post them up on YouTube. You used to love to spectate. You'd still, you know, stay up to date in League of Legends uh, pro matches and mm -hmm. what's going on with that, which I know we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. So this is just kind of like an extension of your interest in analyzing gameplay and strategy and... I guess, improvement, as you mm -hmm. said. Yeah, that's true. Improvement avenues, that's what I wanted to say. So I think this is kind of a natural thing. I'm not surprised to, to hear that you're doing it. 
Yeah. And and those I guess the the project management tendencies uh-huh. that uh, I had trained I guess after I got out of league <laughs> uh have kind of kicked in here where I've been the one to pull us together for these improvement nights. I've been the one to figure out the goals that we're looking for and how we can break those down into smaller actionable items that we can go into a match with. So instead of just saying like, guys, like you need to look around you more, like we're, we're five, like five of us are dead. Why are you still going in? Like you need more map awareness guys, which is definitely something we've actually said to each other. But that's hard. That's something that's hard to internalize and and learn from. Like it's like telling a shy person they need to talk more. Yeah. It's like okay, like thanks. Now, well, how do I do that? Yeah, exactly. You know, someone who doesn't do something naturally or does a certain other thing naturally might not know where to start. And I feel you know, like that's kind of my experience with Overwatch is that I felt like. I was always doing a lot of things wrong and I'm talking in the past tense because I don't really play Overwatch that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't really figure out what I was doing wrong uh, or how to do better. Yeah. Part of what I've been doing for our group has been isolating a couple of things we want to improve on um, and finding a few incremental steps that are simple and measurable for us to implement. And then once we have really good accuracy, or or I guess uh, uh, once we've hit those goals consistently, then we can move on to the next step. And all those steps give us an increased understanding of the game, and we can bring that into all of our games going forward. So the measurable part that you just mentioned, that's interesting to me. How... Do you make these, you know, these broken down tasks measurable? Mm-hmm. So uh, I mentioned that one of the big issues we had was uh, map awareness and specifically understanding, you know, if it's just you and another guy going up against uh, five people on the enemy team. Like that's a moment where you should make the decision to pull back or play more defensively because you know the odds are against you. You want to wait for the remaining four team members to respawn and rejoin you. But it's hard to do in a first-person shooter because like, there's tons of action going on. You don't have a top-down view of the map. Um, it's hard to know even if you know one of your allies dies. And so to kind of train map awareness uh, and train cognizance of your teammates... The first step uh, I suggested was when you die, call out in voice comms that you've died. That's something that is simple for everyone to do. Uh, it helps reinforce to everybody that, hey, things are going on. Uh, please be aware of this. And it's measurable because uh, we can, there actually is a kill feed on the top right. I mean, similar to a lot of first-person shooter games, where when you kill someone or when someone kills an ally, 
you'll see that in the top right listed out. So I can see when people die, and if I don't hear them call out their death, I can call them out on it, and I know we haven't hit 100%. From there, we can go on to further steps. I mean, you know, the goal here is to understand the odds in any given situation. Know if you're 2v6 or 5v3. So you, at this point, have a better sense of kind of what's going on. Things are happening. Look at that kill feed. The next step, which we're working on, is when you die, call out how many people on your team are still alive by taking that uh, kind of team count, which starts at six, decreasing it by one, and then calling out that new number. So when one person dies, he'll say, I'm dead. We're, we're five up, which is to say we're five up still in the fight. Uh, when the next person dies, they heard the number was five. So they'll say, I'm dead. We're four up. We're three up. We're two up. We're alone. And then finally, the, the step beyond that would be when you see someone die on the kill feed, uh, you can give an enemy count as well. So you can say, you know, I kill drunk rat, we're uh, 4v3. All with the idea of getting people to be more cognizant of things ex uh, beyond just what they're shooting at. So they can have a better idea of the odds going into every situation and make better decisions about how to commit themselves and their resources, you know, their abilities and their ultimates. Mm -hmm. So that answers my question about measurements, because uh, clearly I can see, you know, a way to both track it in real time with um, the kill feed and to track it, you know, if you're recording your games, you can go back and watch and listen to the audio and compare and say, you know, here's a percentage of how many times somebody called it out when, you know, they died or whatever. Um, but for someone like me, who's dying a lot, does that <laughs> like pollute the voice channel? Maybe pollute's not the right word, but like, I guess keep it busy. It definitely, it definitely clogs it up. You know, uh, I would say that, you know, pollute can be a negative word. Um, well, I kind of did intend it to be that way because I meant like, are you sharing Shinfo? Like, <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely something that is called out a lot um, because you know a lot of things go on in this game. Uh, there's there's a lot of positions being called out, uh, help being requested, and and people dying. It hasn't gotten to the point where it's too much there's definitely constant communication and i think that's okay ideally we don't need to call out any of this at all you know we're trying to get to the point where people are watching the kill feed on the top right and they know when their teammates are dying they they know when the enemies are dying and they can gauge the odds just on that all of these callouts are helpful, and they'll definitely be helpful if we're playing with uh, a random person filling out our group. But ultimately, we want to get to the point where we're instinctively looking at the kill feed now, and 
we don't need to call it the kill feed out to each other, which will free up the voice comms. Mm-hmm. Everything to this point is just a drill to get us to that point. Mm-hmm. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so all of this, uh, I, I guess it's coaching, uh, has been something that uh, I've been spearheading for the group. And, and I've been pleased with how well they're taking it and how good the reception has been. Mm-hmm. When we're consistently getting uh, a full squad of six for improvement nights and everybody's uh, pretty focused in on it. It's it's fun to see because I've never been this competitive in a game before. Uh-huh. I mean, I had certainly wanted to do this when we were playing League, uh, mm. and we just never rallied enough interest, I guess, to commit mm-hmm. to something like this. Yeah, I remember we had... We definitely had games with full squads, but it was never a like a fully recurring squad. Right. You know, except for... I, I, we, we did get a lot, a lot of games with Lady Gaga. Oh, God. I had to think for a second. I was like, who is that? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Thinking more of our Chase and Phil days. Mm-hmm. I was actually digging up some of uh, the old League of Legends YouTube videos oh, I uploaded. With our audio, of course. Uh-huh. And that girl who doesn't shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was uploading my overwatch videos for us to review and record and and you know pin down precisely what happened in what situations and how it could have done better instead of just saying broader things like you need to gank more you need to shield me more and wow listening to us five years ago six years ago do i even want to know it's a blast from the past (laughs) <laughs> it's also a blast from lower quality mic settings and recording settings oh yeah <laughs> the, I'm sure. the quality leaves something to be desired <laughs> i believe that <laughs> it is still a fun look into the past though oh yeah i'm sure i mean every time i somehow come across like a g chat with a link to something you know it just i it strikes my fancy to look it up or I see something on Facebook. Um, I always enjoy looking through them for a little while. <laughs> kind of makes me lose league a little bit, but not that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried playing a couple co-op versus AI games, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a. It was like a month ago. It was. Mm-hmm. It was right after PAX East, actually. Talking about league with Nick kind of got me. Uh-huh pumped up to play and yeah uh, we played a couple of co-ops uh, I still enjoy <laughs> watching it a little more <laughs> i definitely felt rusty in that there were situations i recognized where things needed to be done but i did not have i guess the muscle memory to do them that's fair uh, i mean i found that i am I-, I guess i haven't had a similar experience and like missing out that muscle memory, but I just don't 
I'm not as in tuned with my map awareness and my positioning mm. as I used to be. My last hitting's still pretty much the same. Uh, it's always been kind of average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other stuff, like knowing where to be and when, and even just measuring, you know, I obviously haven't kept up with um, champ updates and like patch updates in general. Uh, so my ability to analyze like probability in a team fight is mm-hmm. pretty bad at this point. Yeah, gauging the odds. Yeah. So that's kind of a deterrent. Well, I would like to say that all our nostalgic talk of League of Legends has left me wanting to finish this episode out by going to play a game of League. But that's not actually the case. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no (laughs) way that's happening. And I'm going to go back to cleaning my bathroom when we're done with this, because that's what I've been doing all day. (laughs) Oh, gee. For a moment, I thought something like catastrophic had happened. Oh in there, no! And you... <laughs> no, that would have been the first topic of today if that uh, had been the case. You know me and my poop stories. Like you would not believe the toilet just exploded. I would be so thrilled if that happened. You know, I thought that you know they told me that this toilet seat was supposed to contain all the smells. I didn't realize that also meant it was pressurized. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, I think uh, I think that toilet's afraid of me. <laughs> because of like, well, is it because of your neglect or because of what you do to it? Uh, well, I guess both, really. Um, <laughs> so if there was yeah. a child services for toilets, <laughs> there'd be a, an agent knocking on your door right now. Yeah, they'd be taking that toilet away from me. <laughs> then what would you be left with? Um, the sink. The, the great outdoors. I'm imagining you like taking Frisbee for a walk because you also need a walk. Because <laughs> I also need a walk and we just kind of <laughs> do it together like twinsies. It's like you're both on the same cycle. Oh, God. I don't think I could be on her cycle. <laughs> well, that note of TMI is a perfect <laughs> way to end this episode of Swagged here. Here we go. Damn, I was (laughs) slow that time. That was very chipper. That's true. Because I'm so excited to go back to cleaning the bathroom. (laughs) No! (laughs) God damn it, Frisbee! Shut up! No!